everybody, and welcome to the 148th episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, a podcast all about board games. In this episode, we got two of them. How many have we got, Tom? Two board games. That's right. Uh, my name is Quentin Smith, and I am joined by Tom Brewster, and that's it. It's just a two-person podcast talking about two board games. One board game per person. There's going to be no interruption from the other party when one of us is talking about the game that we have brought to the table. Like a, what do you call it when, show and tell. Like a board game show and tell. <laughs> That's not true. We're going to have dynamic and interactive conversations. You're going to say something. <sighs> I might disagree with it. I keep that under my chest because under my chest, where my where my heart is. <laughs> under my, what did I mean by Under that? my chest skin, where my heart is. Yes, okay. On this podcast, we're going to be talking about something else that gets under your chest skin where your heart is. We're going to be talking about asbestos, um, and that's not a joke. We're going to be talking about a board game called The Cost, which seeks to model elements of the asbestos industry in the crazy 20th century heyday when everyone was filling their house with toxic insulation. And we're going to be talking about Arkwright the Card Game, a card game adaptation of a very heavy... Um, heavy meaning complicated, uh, board game about running factories in the Industrial Revolution. You can make forks, you can make lamps, you can, uh, Tom, you said you were very stiff this morning, and I can't help but wonder, is that because we played Arkwright yesterday and your body is still, um, sort of cramped and crunched from the simulation of working in, uh, a Victorian factory? I think we just played it for long enough that my whole body set like jelly while we were <laughs> playing it. That yeah. game went on for a while. <laughs> it did. It was. It went on for so much longer. Tom, I'm excited to talk about these games. Th these are two pretty interesting games. Yeah, they're two. They're two crunchy, knobbly, brumpy little boxes that are full of weird little wrinkles that we can talk about and explain to the people at home, as is our want. Shall we talk about the cost? Tom, let's go. Sting. <laughs> So the first game we're going to talk about on this podcast is a small-ish box, but with big decisions box, called The Cost, uh, a game about the asbestos industry. Uh, in The Cost, you're all playing as the greedy owners of asbestos mining companies, and you're trying to get loads of profit, which is kind of a slightly too modern to be comfortable, perhaps, subject matter for a game. Um, previously, in lots of other Euro, big heavy Euro games, you do play as owners, greedy owners of big companies, but you're not mining things that are as present a problem, perhaps, as asbestos. The rulebook is full of loads of little references to the fact that asbestos and the asbestos industry is still having pretty horrible effects on people to this day. It's pretty heavy. It's a pretty heavy subject matter for a game. I wonder if we should do our audience the service of explaining what asbestos is. Uh because I certainly know more about asbestos after playing the cost than I did before. We thought it was like a rock, but it's sort of a fibre, isn't it? It's a strange yes. fibre that you pull out the ground and it has very good insulating properties. I think it was used for insulation. I actually, I, I skipped over the bits where they talked about what asbestos actually is in the manual because I was too busy wow. trying to learn the rules for rail privileges. But we'll get to that later. But it's like a fibrous uh, mineral 
that gets in your lungs and does horrible damage to them. Right, and the cost simulates something that, that did happen, and I'm learning in this conversation, is still happening, I guess, where companies, a bit like tobacco or, you know, big oil companies hiding not knowledge about climate change, the asbestos industry knew that this was dangerous because people were dying during the mining and manufacturing of asbestos, but capitalism being what it is, those companies were then legally bound to continue trying to make as much money as possible, um, which means that the cost simulates you sort of moving through different markets, which slowly become more aware that asbestos is dangerous, and then that's okay because you can just move to a different market. Yeah, pretty much. We, we were saying when we started playing this game that it's a game about asbestos, but then the more we played it, the more we realized it's kind of just a game about capital accumulation in a more direct way. The asbestos is kind of a sideline. It's more about the dangers of the profit motive, effectively. But we'll get to that later. Um, I should probably explain how the game works uh, to the listeners first. So in the cost, uh, in front of you, you've got a player board that represents your company and a set of boards in the middle of the table that represent different regions where you'll be setting up your mining operations. And these boards are divided into little triangles where you can place mines to mine your asbestos uh, or mills where you can refine your asbestos and railways to go in between to ship it around and get it from point A to point B. Um, effectively, the player who manages to mine and mill their asbestos the most uh, is going to be able to sell it to various markets to make a bunch of money. And that's kind of the core of the game. But rather than getting into the weeds of how that process works, because it's quite dry and quite boring, I should highlight the things that make the cost a unique game uh, in the Eurogame space. So firstly, each region has a political climate represented by these red and blue cubes. And depending on what mines and mills get built in that certain region, the politics will kind of lean one way or another, giving unique bonuses to production in those regions. So you might want to tip it more towards the red side, uh, which will increase the amount of money and resources you're going to get for that region for mining and milling asbestos. Or you might tip it over to blue, which is kind of exactly the same, but instead you get money for shipping it around instead. Instead. Uh, you've got a system where every single piece of rail that you pass your asbestos over on these triangular grids when you're shipping it will give the player who owns that rail a little bit of money. So you can tilt your strategy into not making much of the stuff, but instead shipping it around. But the most uh, interesting systems, as Quinn's alluded to uh, earlier, are in the subject matter, the asbestos itself. Because when you mine asbestos, you can do, you have two options. You can mine it safely, or you can mine it unsafely and safely costs you resources two per worker in your mind which is pretty expensive like it's a kind of expensive thing to be doing or you can mine unsafely which is mostly free but the cost is one of your workers in your minds dying uh, you take the worker and you put them literally in a little coffin that sits at the bottom <laughs> of that mind's track but other than that it's basically free um the side effect of doing that, though, is the really interesting part. The side effect is that you reduce demand in that region every time a worker is killed as a result of the asbestos industry. And when all the demand in a region is gone, that region regulates out the asbestos trade, effectively wiping out every player's infrastructure from that region. And I think like that is maybe where the cost is at its most interesting in being this heavy economic game where you're shipping uh, asbestos around... But what you're shipping and how you're shipping it is so volatile that your industry can be shuttered out of the game completely. 
Yes, I love a Euro game with a board, which to explain what on earth I'm talking about there. Um, so Euro games tend to be games of resource management and judiciously deciding how to spend your time and money where players don't necessarily directly fight. And Euro games with a board, what I mean there is uh, some of the best Euro games will encourage players to build their infrastructure of their business empire or whatever on earth you're doing. Um, in a shared territory, which means there's limited space, you're mm. crawling over one another, and often building next to one another um, affects how your industries work. You can see this in such classic board games as Brass and Terra Mystica. And the cost has that, and um, you know the the way that we all sort of were racing to build railway infrastructure in certain places was pretty interesting. But yes, I am head over heels in love with the fact that if, like in our game, Tom, when you and I went into the same region and you started mining un- uh, sort of unsafely, I realized then that this area that I was investing money into just had a giant clock over it because eventually, yeah. due to your crappy, cheap business practices, <laughs> that region would eventually be like, hey, this asbestos stuff is bad. And then all my industry gets shuttered and you've not revealed the best thing you do when a region gets shuttered in the cost. You pick up the entire board, which is like an, an eight inch by eight inch square of cardboard with everyone's wooden pieces on it. You pick the whole thing up and put it back in the box. So yeah. you remove like a, a huge geographical and cerebral part of the game and just like frisbee it off the table which is a lot of fun yeah it's great because it's great because you have a situation where you really do want to strip as much value out of something as you can and then just move on from it in a way that makes you feel pretty horrible um Mm. that region that we were fighting over for the whole game we both invested so much time and money into making it profitable and then on the last turn of the game because of my actions because i put so much i did so much dangerous mining in that region i then had to move my whole operation to a different space and sort of scrounge for money in these other regions that matt had been peacefully building up on for the whole game but the game actively rewards that style of play because i think i won our game of the cost purely by being the most exploitative player around the table you did win, but that was partially my fault for, um, well, you played a blinder, but you set up such good railway infrastructure in that first region where you were mining unsafely, where you were just yoinking great fistfuls of furry, <laughs> poisonous asbestos out of the ground and putting it on your trains, which then made you more money. That It was the railway infrastructure that killed me. And actually, towards the last turns of, of our game, I started mining unsafely purely to accelerate the demise of the asbestos industry as a whole in that region because your railway links were too good. I had to I had to stop that being a money generation option for you. I think that's where the cost really sort of shines in that we said at the top of the podcast that it's not really a game about asbestos. It's more a game about capital and about the ways that these businesses kind of screw each other over. This game didn't make me feel bad in participating in what's a very recent, somewhat continuing problem. But that's kind of the point. And I think it might kind of be genius on a political level. In the sense that me and you fought over that territory for the whole game. We squabbled over having everything, you know, running efficiently or whatever. And then it all got shuttered down and we had to move on. But the fact that we did not care whatsoever about any of the people. There are actual little meeples in this game. All we cared about for the entirety of the game was how can we continue doing this thing as efficiently as possible but not even i keep saying as efficiently as possible not even as efficiently as possible like one of the most rewarding things that you can do in this game is set up a labyrinthine railway system that doesn't get things from point a to point b quickly <laughs> it gets them from point a to point b profitably 
right? Yes, yes, I... because it has to use more of your infrastructure, which means more people are getting paid, which means somehow you're making more money, even though the, the cubes you're moving around are going in circles, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the, it reinforces this in loads of ways. Like, there's no costs for hiring workers or for even killing them off. Like, you're sad that a region shuts down because of your financial rather than human investment. And it's got, like, we made fun of the fact that this game has maybe one art asset across the whole of it with this <laughs> one mask. And that incredibly ugly presentation is very functional, very mechanical, and it kind of puts you in a space that these Euro games often do, but with an industry that's currently doing a lot of damage to people. Mm. Uh like it's interesting right it's a super interesting weird little thing that has a lot of strange considerations but but is it is it fun <laughs> no i i mean okay well i want to respond to both of the things you've said there so first off no it's not necessarily super fun so the publisher of this is spielworks um which is a german publisher who tend to make stuff that's sort of interesting definitely ugly and like I, I i don't want to not as refined a product in terms of its stability and fun as you might expect from a publisher like capstone um spielworks make sort of I, I they make quick and dirty experiments um we we quite enjoyed um captains of the gulf which is a shrimp farming game they put out and there was also the original arkwright which we're about to talk about the sort of sequel to that later on in this podcast um so no it's not necessarily the the best euro game i i think it's interesting and full of really cool ideas um but yeah not something i would recommend people buy although if it if it looked gorgeous, if there was a beautiful second edition. Anyway, I don't want to get distracted. In terms of the political statement it's making, I think you're right that, yeah, it didn't necessarily make me feel bad when I was playing it, but I think that's something, when we're talking about um, political or sort of more emotional uh, games, I think video games are really good at making you feel stuff. But where board games shine, for me, is presenting you with how an ethically questionable system works. And I think what the cost does really well is something that you also see in like labyrinth war on terror where it's not making you empathize deeply with the humans that are in the game it's showing you how toxic systems operate and why do people make the decisions that they do so yeah there's not a great deal of empathy going on in the cost but i think you know at the end of the game you can sit back and know just a little bit more about how um, unregulated industries get themselves into trouble yeah it's i think it's a super salient game is the way that i talk about it like it's it's fine it's quote-unquote fun enough uh but it is saying something kind of interesting about this industry and about the way that it operates on a sort of more it's not trying to hammer home a, a human sort of like message at the end of the day it's trying to hammer home a sort of systems-based message yes yeah it's it's a weird game it's a weird kind of interesting game about that horrible fibrous stuff what's in the ground yeah and i think that quite honestly if someone was to make a second edition of this game or was to do another game riffing on this idea that all the players involved are making a product but you all have a shared investment in the pr of that product and how desirable it is i think that's really cool mm. and really interesting even if i wouldn't buy the cost myself or tell anyone else to you know spend their money on it over another game <laughs> <laughs> glowing praise indeed i wanted to make sure that we said that i'm sorry i'm sorry if they did do a second edition one thing they could improve is the rule book which was as much of a nightmare as the thing that it's modeling that rule book was hideous so i wouldn't recommend people try and learn this game if you are faint of rules the section on rail privileges is so cones of dunshire it's unbelievable 
Spielworks have somehow weathered like all of their games look intolerably beige and <laughs> you know that is there's no way they're not getting that feedback constantly and they've just chosen to Odysseus like just lash themselves to their mast of this horrible <laughs> art design that is like present in all of their games um so yeah if they could just fix that sure it would be easy to talk about spielworks without wincing but hey they do make some interesting stuff but hey speaking of games that kind of look really ugly but are interesting but maybe this one's a little bit better should we talk about arkwright the card game Let's do it. So, um, topically, Arkwright, the original Arkwright, was a Spielworks game, and Shut Up and Sit Down had a video review of it on our channel, which you should definitely go and check out, because um, it was a fun one. Um, so Arkwright was, in its original Spielworks edition, a game about running uh, factories in the Industrial Revolution. Um, you can make bread, you can make forks, you can make lamps, and you can make clothes. And what Arkwright seeks to model is the way that um, when factories first started to open in, in Industrial Revolution Britain, um, it simultaneously employed the workforce, which meant the workforce had more money to spend, which meant that they could buy the things the factories were making. So Arkwright is a game about um, being that, you know, moustache twiddling, uh, utterly callous um, uh, factory baron who, who made incredibly unsafe uh, factories. And then you decide... Uh, how many people you want to employ, um, how good you want the quality of the goods you're making to be, how much you want to replace those employees of yours with uh, sort of mechanized machinery, and how much you want to get into stuff like advertising, and most importantly, when to open factories that your friends are also running. Because if your friend is the only person with a shirt factory, that's fine, they can make so much money, so hey, maybe you should open a shirt factory too. Maybe a third player opens a shirt factory, and then suddenly you're all struggling with whether to even keep your factories open because nobody's making money anymore. Now, Arkwright was a really interesting game, but at the end of our review, I believe we said it was too long, a bit too expensive, and a bit too ugly. However, now Game Brewer have brought um, a new edition of Arkwright to the market called Arkwright the Card Game. This is only $35, so it's way cheaper. It looks way nicer than uh, the original Arkwright looked, and the rules are a little simpler, quite a lot simpler actually, and the time that it takes to play the game is much shorter. Where the original Arkwright was like a two and a half, three hour thing, I think you could bash this out in an hour or an hour and a half. But other than that, Arkwright the card game is, aside from some very fiddly stuff, mostly the same game as Arkwright. Players still have factories, you're still improving them and hiring more people, you're still wondering how good a product to make and where to set the price and uh, when to ship your goods overseas. Um, with All with the goal of um, Arkwright has actually quite a foxy victory condition. Um, your score in Arkwright is how many shares of your own company you own multiplied by the value of those shares. So as you're running your factories in Arkwright, the game is constantly beating you over the head with this very difficult question of when are you going to take the time to like stop running your factories, waddle over to the bank and um, buy shares of your own company? Because as the game goes on, your shares are getting more and more valuable as you keep shipping stuff away. So it's cheaper to buy shares of your company in the early game, but that's capital you could be using to open more factories. That's been me talking about Arkwright and Arkwright the card game for several minutes. Tom, I'm really interested about this because this was, of course, when we played Arkwright the card game. This is me returning to Arkwright. But for you, this was your first taste of cutlery and boots and, and whatever else we were making. What did you think of this game? I want to eat more lamps and cutlery and boots. <laughs> I've got the taste now. Good. The, the thing that I thought I want to pick up on was you saying that decision about buying the stocks and shares of your own company being something that's important. Um, the fact that you have to take all the money that you've been earning and you have to spend a whole turn, a whole, one of your 12 actions in the game, going to the bank and with a big sack of money slapping it on the table being like, buy me as many shares in Tomco as possible. 
Um, the thing that I thought was interesting is that initially I didn't feel the burn of that decision at all. I was like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll do that when I do it and I'll, I'll get some shares. But then when I went to go and take that action, I had, you know, 50 quid so I could buy, I bought four shares and I had a little bit of money left over. And I went, hey, how about I buy one more share? I'll just buy that last share in that company. And I had like six pounds left in the bank if I did that. And that's when I realized that if I were to do that, I would, or not that I would be on the brink of ruin if I did that, but I've kind of been on the brink of ruin for the whole game. I just didn't realize it. There is something really like the, when you gave me the list of things that happen to you when you don't have enough money to do something, <laughs> I was like, I never want to be in that position in this game ever. And I didn't feel that burn until I was presented with the actual decision of being like, oh, now I need to score some points. But if I want to be as efficient as possible with this action, I need to put myself so close to ruin that one other player's decision might affect the demand of the lamps that I decided to start selling last turn on a whim, and that will torpedo me out the game, which is pretty brutal. It's 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 mean and uh, okay. So reasons that are correct. So forget Arkwright. I think Arkwright, the card game to me is the definitive edition. It's like it's less than half the price. It's faster. It's simpler, and it looks nicer. Like. Ooh. There are things I prefer about the original game, but for the sake of should you buy this or not, please, dear listener, assume that we're talking about Arkwright the Card Game, which we might abbreviate to Arkwright. So um, <laughs> uh, people who wouldn't want to buy Arkwright the Card Game, anyone who is even faintly allergic to maths or some really cruel decisions, I think people have, um, are, are quite used to Euro games which have like rubber bumpers on the side so you can't really hurt yourself. In Arkwright the Card Game, if you decide to, I don't know, set the prices of your lamps quite high, and then your friend unexpectedly on their turn massively expands their lamp factory and cranks the price down to nothing, you might find yourself making a whole load of lamps which you cannot sell. Mm. And that could, if you were buying too many of your shares, just absolutely shatter your final score. But equally, this is what I like about Arkwright, is that it is so interactive. I like that in our game, it was you, me, and Matt playing, and Matt won. And I think it's pretty clear that Matt won because you and I let him be the only lamp factory in town for like 20 years of the game. Yeah. And because he also made some incredibly savvy decisions for when to change his factory from competing in our market that we were jostling for and instead just be like, I'm just going to ship these overseas to some stranger for a massive profit, which he did mm. several times and made bank off of that. I think that it's a game that really rewards pivoting your engine and making snap decisions and change the way that you play in this very interactive and reactive market, which I think we suffered with the game being that reactive because we played it digitally. And here's where we put a big caveat on the top of our play of Arkwright, the card yes. game. We played this using Tabletopia, and we think that generally card games can really suffer on Tabletopia, especially this kind of card game where there's lots of layering <laughs> and stacking cards, which would have been very satisfying in real life, but was an absolute nightmare in Tabletopia. It was, we maybe spent more time rearranging cards than we did actually playing the game. <laughs> We were laughing at one another constantly because we were watching in the digital environment players with their weird virtual hands trying to pour cards under other cards over and over and over. In real life, it's actually quite cool. The way that um, you build out factories in Arcrate the card game is um, every factory that you open is like a piece of card and then workers you hire are cards that you ladder out to the left and offices are cards you ladder out to the right. And these cards are like, 
half buried under each previous card. So you only see half the card. But then you can rotate and flip cards depending on how you want to use those offices or how you want to mechanize those workers. So it's a lot of like twisting and flipping and, and oh my goodness, if you want to do this in Tabletopia, it's a lot of pressing the U button to <laughs> put cards underneath other, other cards. And even that is like a weird to uh, Towers of Hanoi puzzle of like trying to figure out which you have to put under, which card you have to put underneath first in order to, oh, it's a nightmare. It's, yeah. it's heck. It's it's not it's not great, um, and I think that's like so theoretically the card play in Arkwright the card game is very satisfying and nice, but we can neither confirm nor deny that as we haven't touched the cards with our hands. That is true. But it's interesting though because I think that our game sprawled outwards because of that, and also because the game is because the game is so reactive you can get into a position where someone's turn what someone does at the end of their turn where they set their prices for something can completely change what you're doing on your turn so if you're not playing with people that are happy to pace through the game quickly or if you're playing it digitally like we were you end up with something that can sprawl outwards over many many hours which is yeah. what ours did and some of the maths you have to do is is it's not even that difficult but compared to what a lot of board games make you do i think it's horrific and certainly if you're not someone who's like vaguely comfortable with arithmetic you're gonna have a horrible time so the question you have to ask is oh goodness first off like do you want to expand your factory at all which involves figuring out the cost for all of the workers and machines and the cost for the factory but then you think about how much money you could make which is based on demand and then based on what price you set and then oh, but also you could send it overseas so then you have to consider if you lower the quality if you lower the quality level so no one buys it in the UK then uh, you send it over and you get this much money but then wait that means you don't get the stock increase so now let's consider how much more money you'd make if your stock went up from selling it in the uk it's <laughs> it's a lot of thick and nasty little little additions yes. and subtractions you're doing and and whenever you open a factory you then actually change the cost of workers themselves and the demand oh, for yeah. things it's like it's not just a game where you have to do the maths for like one big transaction that you're going to do like oh how much money do i make let me add this up you have to factor in multiple different possibilities of what you can do on your turn how much each of those costs and whether that will tank your business and also some of the maths can be really dissatisfying because it's not like you're adding up how much money you're going to make it's how <laughs> much you're going to lose <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah i remember um that because we played with the default setup and you can like it's don't also don't get us wrong like just because it's called Arkwright the card game this is as heavy and difficult oh, to yeah. learn and to play as just about any year a game you care to mention um and we played without the expert rules the expert rules make the game slightly more complicated to play uh, but they also add a huge additional step during setup which is almost like a a fourth round of what's otherwise a three round game where players will slowly decide what factories they want to open and, and what the, the game looks like to begin with. But the default setup is everybody owns a bread factory and then every, if a three player game, and then everyone owns one of the other kinds of factories alone, which, but it, it means you have this hilarious first round where everyone gets to do one action and then you sell bread and everyone loses money. <laughs> like, and so it was really funny for me as an Arkwright veteran having you and Matt look at me and be like, wait, we, we lost money? I'm like at the beginning of the game? Uh, yeah, and, no, the, it, and, it, and we then continued to hemorrhage money from our bread factory because none of us were proud enough to admit defeat and get out of the bread market. Well, okay. Now I have to ramble for a bit here because there is some stuff about the original Arkwright that I'm really sad they lost out here. Like, I get it. So Arkwright, the card game, is designed by Stefan Risthaus, who was the designer of the original game. And I think he has done a great job at making Arkwright a bit simpler and a lot faster. So everything I'm about to say 
take it with a grain of salt because I do think this is the superior version of the game. But A, I'm sad you can't shutter factories anymore. Mm. Um, which I, I'm also sad that because it's now a three decade game rather than a five decade game, you lose some of the more like long-term thinking in the original arc right where it's like you can lose money on a factory for two decades running and then be like okay i'm going to shut it down <clears throat> whereas in the card game it's like if you've lost money on a factory for two decades running then you're probably losing the game um and i i i'm sad that players can't buy shares in one another's companies anymore that's a shame to me where like you can feasibly do quite well in, in the original board game of arc right i if memory serves by looking at the player who you know is better at the game than you and then focusing on buying their shares <laughs> and then like trying to ruin their factories at the final in the final decade so yeah the original arc right is the heavier and probably the more interesting game but there's no question in my mind, Arkwright right, the card game is less overhead, less set up, and just more fun. I think that off the back of some systems feeling a little bit less exciting, the upgrade system in this game is both a blessing and a curse. You have this system where you can upgrade a little part of your factory every single turn, which is great because it means that you don't have to also factor in maths on how you're going to buy a fancy upgrade. But it does also mean that I felt like I had kind of an embarrassment of riches by the end. But, you know, even then I still enjoyed that system a lot. And I do think there is something really chunky and interesting in that system and i'm glad that i'm playing this version of it rather than the full maybe meatier version because even with this being the slimmer version it took us really like quite a long time but yes i think as well though like you know you're bemoaning the fact that there's less of the long-term thinking the five rounds going down to three rounds one thing that i really appreciate about this game and makes me want to play it again is that every single turn of this game, I felt like I did not have enough time. Like, mm. it's so... Like, what you do on your turn is so important because just taking a little bit too long on something means that, oh, no, I haven't quite got my coat factory up to standard before the coat round happens. And it makes that decision to cash in your money. And when you do that, so important. I thought that was fascinating. Like, it's compressing it down absolutely yeah every turn i took in the game was s s kind of sad because i would always do a turn and be like mm, that was i don't know what the most efficient thing to do was but that wasn't quite right i got myself in a very funny problem where i really wanted to compete with matt's lamb factory but like i had the bread phase which is phase one and then the cutlery phase which was very important for me in phase three then the lamb factory in phase four so i never found the like back-to-back -back two turns i needed to open mm. a factory then hire workers which would have made me competitive um, so, but for two decades running, my factory owner was like, oh, I should really open that lamb factory. Oh, wait, no, bread. Focus on bread. <laughs> and then I did that twice. And then by the third round, I was like, oh, wow, I, th th that was just so, so short-sighted. Should have found the capital somewhere. And I just, I'd made the same mistake two decades running, which perversely, I really like. I like when a game is so manipulative that it forces me to make the same mistake twice because then I, I get to be annoyed at myself, which for me is like a really... <laughs> thought-provoking and juicy feet. That's that's my favorite way to lose, is like if a game makes me make the same stupid mistake several times running. I guess that's kind of why we liked, what was that game called? Uh, Quarto. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can't compare Quarto and Arkwright the card game. It just happened. It just it happened. It just happened. People, uh, listen to this. Give Quarto a Google. That's Q-U-A-R-T-O. Um, I'm glad you liked Arkwright the card game. Yeah, I, I think I might get it. Like, I think that it's one of those, at that price point, and the amount of game that is in that box is wild. Like, even, we're so used to games having sort of the card game or the dice game as a moniker, which basically means this is simpler 
and cheaper and easier. And that's kind of what Art Crack the Card Game is. But it's still so much game in that box. And like, you know, the production here is actually really nice as well for the for, for the for the price. It's not like yeah. it's 30 quid and it's just a big bunch of cards. Like it's got these nice double layered punch board things, right? Like the uh mm-hmm. the the little ledgers that you use to run your company on i don't know i think this is something that's really really solid the way that i would describe it to people who are maybe unsure or or if you were to do it in a in a pithier way it's like that core of city of the big shoulders uh a game that we reviewed earlier where you're running this various companies you're trying to make them efficient and whatever but just strip out all of the buying other people's stocks and shares if you don't like the feeling that that game can sometimes give you where you get to the end and you just lost because someone nebulously bought some shares at some other time and now they have more money than you how'd that happen capital um (laughs) if you just have the core efficiency puzzle of that game and you make it bigger and also kind of smaller and cheaper that's what art crack the card game is and it's fantastic i really enjoyed it i think it's really good and you know what here's the thing tom i'm complaining that this might not be as rich as the original art crack but game brewer are really good at putting out expansions so game brewer did a nice expansion oh. for good they did a nice expansion for paris maybe they'll do an expansion for art crack the card game that adds mechanics we've never seen can you imagine imagine a fifth kind of slightly grim factory you could make what will it add Ooh crumpets yes oh i do i do love how all the objects you're manufacturing in this game are really boring <laughs> forks coats lamp forks especially tom you're playing the like juicier version of our crate in the original crate it wasn't fancy red coats it was like beige shirts <laughs> they happen after the bread phase the shirts are made from the crusts yeah it was beige bread beige shirts forks and then lamps which looked slightly less sexy than they didn't Maybe they should um, add the Arsenic expansion from Tinner's Trail yes! into Arkwright the card game. That would be that would be quite something. I would play that. I feel like mercury poisoning and using mercury in hats. Get, oh, do Arkwright the card game, the hat expansion, and then just have players making uh, making mercury based hats. But the more of them you make, the more society. Re- I don't know if the timeline of this um, uh, makes sense. Links at all. up. Yeah. It would happen between the coat and fork phase you'd make hats or would you add on a because it's kind of like tiered it gets more and more exciting would you add something like the temptation is to add a new kind of good that's even fancier than lamps like radios but maybe you go back the other way and make something even more boring than bread like grit (laughs) or like sand grass your dirt sand Uh, (laughs) glass you could make glass i don't know what they made in the industrial revolution i've i've now the the boring man in me is activated people in the audience should know they probably all know this, that the Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland is a pastiche of something that happened at the time of Lewis Carroll's life, which was mercury was used in the hat manufacturing process. So mad as a hatter is a phrase that comes because people would wear hats and then go mad from absorbing mercury through their skin. I'm going to add a sting in here that goes like... Do. <laughs> yeah, no, do, 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 do. That's the perfect balance to be boring and you making fun of me for it. Would you like to rap? My name is Quinton and I'm here to say thank you very much for listening to me talk about hats and also there were two board games as well. Um, <laughs> we appreciate your listenership, but we also uh, are going to have to ask you for a little bit of help. Our donation drive is still running. We only like to ask for money a couple times a year so that our team can focus on just playing cool board games and then telling you about them and why they made us sad 
or happy. When you put it like that. I know, I'm not I'm not really explaining why we need money. Honestly, um, uh, the job we do takes tons of time. Uh, Tom, you just came on board. Uh, Tom, I think you'll appreciate now that, that it's quite hard finding good games to play, especially during a pandemic. Yeah, and it's only going to get more difficult. As international shipping uh, collapses in on itself like an accordion. Yeah, uh, so... Um, uh, I've kind of lost my thread, but basically, yes, twice a year, shut up and sit down, um, ask for money just to keep the lights on, and if you think this show is worth a dollar, then we would, uh, in the words of, uh, again, Dan Carlin, why do I keep referencing Dan Carlin? We would love to have that dollar. Um, if you just head to shutupandsitdown.com slash donate, then, uh, you've got some options as to how to help us make Shut Up and Sit Down. Um, thank you very much for, uh, listening. So, just to, Tom, you asked for me to do this because you said you balls up the donation drive <laughs> at the end of the last podcast. I feel like this was awful. I feel like I do not feel like I was in my A game. For the people at home, it's currently like just past noon on a Saturday. I'm still, I'm still waking up. I'm not a morning person. Um, this is disastrous. What do you think, Tom? Uh, yeah, no, I agree. Um, but the people mm. will, you know, come to their own conclusions about whether that whole performance is worth their sweet <laughs> cash. Don't, don't, don't rest the company's financial future on that horrible uh, <laughs> homespun ramble that I just uh, half-heartedly offered. I think I might want to acquire Arkwright the card game for my collection as well. Yeah, that's, that's what I... you need the donation drive money for. That's, that's not true. We get almost all of our games for free. Except for Arkwright the card game, which Quinn's going to spend all of your hard-earned cash on. I hate that you're saying this. Um... Yeah, baby! <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, uh, everybody. And again, if you would like to help us keep the lights on, you can do so at shutupandsitdown.com slash donate. Arkwright the card game. Thank you. Stop! Bye! Bye.